afternoon and welcome back to the cocoon. This afternoon we've got Roger Martinez. He's going to talk about the way of the artist and he's hoping that this will be a dialogue rather than a monologue. So I'll be here with a microphone. If you need to ask a question, get my attention, I'll bring the microphone straight to you. Thank you very much. So good afternoon everybody, thank you for coming out. Uh, so happy to see all you smiling faces here. Um, yeah, so uh, Way of the Artist um, is uh, more or less of a testimonial account of um, what being an artist and living a creative life has done for me as a, as a human being and uh, where it has taken me uh, right up to the point of uh, the place where I'm sitting now. So, um, like, as she emphasized, uh, whenever you have questions or just uh, out of curiosity, whatever, uh, you can ask them at any given uh, moment and uh, I'll be happy to uh, go into a dialogue with you guys and uh, I mean <coughs> there is a more or less of a vision that I have that I want to tell you a story about um, how I came here but uh, wherever the the dialogue goes it's uh, it's open uh, as far as I'm concerned so yeah again thank you for coming out um, yeah uh, people often ask me like yeah when did you started uh, making music and um, the first image or memory that comes to my mind always is that I was three or four years old and uh, I was just fascinated by these black plastic discs that were in my mother's uh, closet and uh, obviously she had turntables in that time uh, although she wasn't a DJ but uh, yeah it um, it immediately drew my attention and ju that's just ever from that point on like um, that's when my fascination with sound actually um, uh, yeah that's where it originated that's my first memory so uh, I've always been more drawn to sound than maybe to image uh, that came maybe a little bit later in my life I also do some painting now and then so um, that's uh, another uh, facet of uh, my creativity uh, or at least the creative force that I can facilitate here and um, so yeah sound has uh, played a big part in my life and um, like the first time I heard electronic sounds it was like just a different universe and I was so bored in primary school with uh, all the things we had to do and um, I was really not built for that kind of stuff so it was like a welcome opening up of life, you know, so apart from the whole thing that you have to go to school and all the things you have to do there. So, yeah, one of the first commercials for actually the first house compilation in Holland was um, this was called House Party Volume 1. Uh, they had a pretty good ad on TV. I actually stumbled upon it on the Internet in a miraculous way because I wasn't even looking for it, but... Um, it was just a flashback to the past. And the images were that of clubs, uh, lights, the electronic sounds running in the background. And uh, I was just immediately like fascinated. And I, I asked my mom like, okay, I have to, need to have this CD. So she bought it for me, uh, of course. And um, ever since, yeah, then I was just fascinated by the electronic sounds and um, started pretty early with um, collecting electronic music, also was 
really on the forefront of uh, the whole MP3 phenomenon. I started, I think, like 96, and uh, like all my classmates were like, what is this music and what is an MP3? But yeah, I was like really into it and uh, collecting it. And back then you had a very simple program called Virtual Turntables on the PC and it was just made by some guy and this way you could like mix two audio sources together and I still have some uh, sets from that time and it's just amazing to to hear it and to think that it that for me was 20 years ago you know so yeah went from collecting to DJing to yeah it always stayed with me so the moment I I finished high school it was like okay now you have to choose something you need to do in life and again it went very much against who I am as a person because I had a very broad interest around that time and still do so um, I saw all my peers around me like choosing a very distinct course or study at the university whatever and back then I still had some uh, illusions about uh, university life that it would be something like a Greek temple with wise men and people just inspiring you and um, so I thought well what what interests me and back then I was still pretty much interested in uh, current events and just I like to read the newspaper back then so I thought well maybe political sciences would be something for me started doing that and uh, like it was just one big disillusion from day one I was at the university surrounded by all kinds of people who just chose something because they had to choose something and it was super uninspiring situation so I quit that pretty fast but still all of the time this music thing was still with me and it was actually my, just the thing that gave me the, mo the most joy and uh, also around that age I was going out a lot to clubs um, partying just loving that whole sense of freedom of expression and just a different way of life than the normal everyday life I saw all around me with with most of my surroundings back then so yeah I, I, I did some more university studies I tried some more university studies because I just couldn't find my way in society and how should I earn my money and my future blah 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 so I tried some other studies all didn't work out and uh, luckily I bumped into this uh, girl whom I met at a certain night and uh, she became my girlfriend for a while and she was doing a music uh, course at a um, yeah I don't know what the equivalent here in Australia is it wasn't a university but a bit lower level and uh, Tife all right <laughs> so <laughs> another Australian word learned today uh, thanks man uh, so um, yeah, it's God bless her, you know, that I bumped into her and um, because she said, you know, uh, my school has just started this music production course and it, yeah, it just might be perfect for you, you know. And around that time, I actually wasn't producing, but I was DJing, getting some small gigs here and there, you know, just bars and low level stuff, or at least yeah, the primary things you go through as a, as a DJ. And um, yeah, so what happened is just crazy i taught myself more or less i bought some book on music production and uh like studio technique and within a year i was up at the level that the school said you're welcome and there were like pff, i don't know 150 people only 10 people got accepted so again it was like you know faith giving me a push 
And um, so that's when the whole thing really became rolling. Like uh, I felt so in place with uh, the people in my class and like everybody was in the same space and with the same aspirations, the same passions. And that's maybe the first time at a educational institute where I thought, okay, you know, this is, might be the place for me. So went through that thing, uh, had a great time, met like, made some really good connections, people I'm still seeing today. I mean, uh, I graduated in 2009, so it's been a while already. But, um, and I also did a graduation project that earned me a, a nice prize through which I could like ride out the period after school and not having to think immediately like, okay, how am I gonna pay for my food and my rent, whatever. So, um, yeah, I just uh, got out of the school and um, more or less uh, stayed uh, living in the same way as I did as a student, you know, keeping the costs low and just doing what I really wanted. And um, so I was getting more and more recognition and more and more success, you could say. But there came this point where I just, I was so, you know, I came from like club life, end of the 90s, early 2000s. So I really, um, I always think, y used to think like I, I was part of the time where it wasn't yet like mainstream, but it was coming up. And uh, so in the period I became a dance producer and, an, and, a, and a live artist, it just went crazy, you know, it just, uh, you got the whole EDM thing recently, but even before that it was just exploding. But to me as an artist and, and person, it was just totally disillusioning the fact that, um, yeah, I was doing stuff and then uh, people said, oh yeah, that's good, you need to keep doing that because you're having success with it and then I would keep doing that. But then for me as, a, as an artist, it would become like boring, you know, because you're kind of regurgitating the same tricks. And um, so at a certain point, I just uh, was pretty disillusioned with the whole electronic movement and I also saw that it was, yeah, all these, all kinds of organizations were coming in that were just about selling tickets, um, like how hard can the room explode, you know, and it was just too much, to me, too much ego uh, involved. And um, so that made me doubt a lot what I was doing and it was uh, pretty tough for me because it was the thing that I've more or less been doing for 15 years and I ran into this like uh, wall and I didn't really know how to reinvent myself around that time so anyway um, also around that time I started doing a lot of uh, uh, sacred plant ceremonies so um, did seven years of ayahuasca uh, and the feeling I got in the ceremonies was exactly the feeling I actually felt that was missing in the scene, you know, and uh, like that it was about, um, yeah, a, a community build. I, I see that uh, a club night can be a community building thing, you know, you're bringing a lot of people together and um, you can make them lose or open, them, open up their boundaries, you know, and uh, whether they do substances or not is to me is not important i mean it's it's about the end goal you know it's about bringing people together from different religions different backgrounds different social economical levels whatever but bringing them together and just making them experience that community vibe that tribal vibe that we've been missing out so much in the west you know and um so in in the ayahuasca ceremonies i did uh, experience that again and uh, 
yeah, it just um, started this process in me about how can I translate this or whatever I do here to the dance floor. Because in the ayahuasca ceremonies, uh, I was making a lot of live music with drumming and uh, stringed instruments and stuff like that. And I just didn't know yet, like, how can I translate that to the dancer? But I felt that that was actually the new thing for me that, that uh, kept me interested also. And um, so that was a process that was just developing over the past maybe five years. And uh, luckily I found refound my my inspiration again also to do events here uh, club nights whatever and make electronic music count you know and not just uh, be it like pure entertainment or just something that you go to to get drunk and then have a blast you know and to me that's not what's important to me and um, so that's more or less the way uh, the music went in my life and the way it went up till now with electronic music and um, yeah, so if, if there are already any questions or just, you know, I want to, if you have questions, if you're a creative person yourself or aspiring, whatever, and you have questions about that or you can ask them now. Oh, thank you very much. Um, yeah, that was really interesting. Um, I was just wondering, within your experience, um, was there anything that kind of revealed to you that um, music was important or had some kind of value or some kind of soul-nourishing element within it um, that kind of inspired you to do what you're, what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah again, um, I have to give credit to all the ceremonies I was uh, so blessed to have attended because there were really moments in, in those ceremonies where yeah, I could just feel that not just the plants or the substances you take in what we're doing the work, but just the power of the music and the, maybe the combination of the plants and the stage you're in and the music, but definitely the music was having such a strong effect that uh, most of the time with me personally in those ceremonies, it would be the music who really took me on the journey, you know. It, sometimes I was in a ceremony and it was just an not really taking off you know and then a song would come and it would move me like incredibly so um yeah it would just um, like instigate the whole thing it would get it going and it would be like a key element for me in the whole night and the whole experience so of course it was like um i understood again like what power music can have you know so I'm I'm not sure if that answers your question uh, fully, but uh, and again, what you said, like um, I always try to do or I tend to do what I like. So uh, what I discovered is um, if you really like something or you're passionate about something, it doesn't take a lot of effort to do it. I mean, it's just your natural inclination to go that way, you know. So especially nowadays, you know, dance music has become a business also. So there are a lot of people that are working hard, you know, to get there or wherever that is. But um, there was just a point where I saw also like, I was also, I had that phase too, you know, where I set goals and I was like, oh man, I'm late, I'm in my late 20s now and I'm still not with the Dubfires or the Richie Hawtins or whoever, you know, the, like the big names you see all around the media constantly. And what that did actually was taking out all the joy 
for me. I was just killing it, you know? I was killing my own creative potential by doing that because it's not about that. It's really not about that. It's more, um, you need to find your own style in what you do. And if you're happy with that, then probably that joy and happiness will radiate outwards and people enjoy that. So they will support you in one way or another to keep on doing that, you know? Just based on your static sound wave, <laughs> would you agree that um, sound is a direct influence based on uh, waves and signals? Um, if you uh, think about the when the futurists in the 1930s were studying sound as an art form and uh, later in the 60s, John Cage, um, trying to visualize sound, um, how do you think that has to do with influencing on on whatever substance that you're on or however way you engage with having that influence music with whatever experience that you choose to feel? Mm, I'm thinking of one example to maybe answer your question that I experienced in my life and that's um, the more I've see you man the more I've um, started doing my own thing, also in the niche where I'm active in, uh, the more I get in touch with people, also at the other end of the world, that are, when I meet them, they're like, they're like a brother, you know? They're like really people on my wavelength and people who understand me. So to answer your question, like, they heard me, they got to know me through my music. You know, my music is a, is a, commu is a communication in itself. It's like a, it's a fingerprint of, of my consciousness or whatever you know whatever moves me as a human being on an emotional level and it's like it transduces those feelings all the way up to somebody's eardrum and on the other end of the world you know and when you meet those people and it's just incredible it's like yeah this person has probably understood me even before we have we talked you know so i definitely firmly believe that it's uh it's a powerful way of communication and and, and a language in itself it's uh you know they say it's language of the soul and might be a cliche nowadays but it's definitely something like that you know because yeah it's just uh you can reach people on a, on a deep level and also what you said about um like the visual aspect of sound uh, whenever i was in in ayahuasca ceremonies and you would close your eyes, you know, and if you were on, in a good, like on the peak and, and people would do like music from the heart, you know, yeah, definitely images arose and, and colors arose and definitely, yeah. It's uh, scientifically speaking, how, yeah. how do you feel or how do you think that, that sound waves uh, affect your state of mind um, by, by listening. If you're talking about being in a particular state of mind. How, how do you think that sound waves affect that? Well, scientifically speaking, it's hard for me to answer because I'm not a scientist. Man, just an artist <laughs> like you. I mean, um, yeah, I wouldn't, yeah, I really cannot answer it that way. Okay. To be honest. This guy here, uh, yeah. Test testing. Um, so I have a question relating to the 
visual aspect as well and the visualization you might have experienced through your ayahuasca ceremonies but also just touching on the point earlier how do sound waves um, well to answer your question as best I can I, w I would think that sound is a very powerful stimulation to the senses or to your being so sound can awaken you further I think in a basic sense um, but my question about visualization was how important was the vision that you had or when you came to the realization of what you wanted to bring into the dance music culture that you felt was missing how important was that visualization to you and how did that stay with you over time and how did that uh, change or evolve as you moved closer to bringing that into the culture well, what I said, it um, I I just hit a I hit a dead point with what I was doing, you know, with dance music because um, I've been listening to it since I was like nine, and uh, I'm speaking now about a period maybe around when I just graduated, so something like 26, 27, 28, and um, yeah, to me, it just uh, I, it. In the end, it had to do with what I was focusing on, that I didn't see anymore how cool it actually could, can be, you know? But it was just my focus on whatever, your Facebook profile, uh, how many gigs you have a month, how many, whatever, you know? What fee you get, uh, how many downloads on Beatport you got for your tracks, you know? And I just kind of blind stared on that and it killed my whole joy of doing what I was doing, you know? Um, to answer your question about um, how important that vision was for me, it was super important because it just re-inspired me completely and it gave me uh, a complete new raison d'etre to keep on doing what I was doing, you know? And um, also what I would like to emphasize is um, the more I let go of what I am doing, as an artist, the more, uh, the less I'm thinking like, oh, I have to do that and I have to work hard, the more enjoyable it became, you know? And uh, the moment I started just being happy with whatever came my way, uh, not only in the studio, but also maybe practically in terms of gigs, fees, whatever, yeah, actually the better it went and the more I could enjoy it, you know? So um, I owe a lot to that vision. Definitely, I owe a lot and uh, I really feel that that was also a big reason for me to go there because actually for some reason I fell out with the group where uh, I'd been going for seven years and it was really sudden and uh, to me those people were like family and I just had some weird meeting with the organizer and then it was like okay because I was also uh, assisting for the past two years and doing the music and helping people go through the journey. So I was more or less staff, become staff, you know. And uh, yeah, just uh, one afternoon he wanted to speak to me and it was like, yeah, I don't really want you to help anymore. I don't feel you're grounded enough. And it was like, what? I just couldn't believe it. But then again, now I'm looking back and it's like, it's all good, you know, it was just, nothing lasts forever i learned so much i had yeah just un unimaginably beautiful experiences and maybe it was enough maybe it was time for me to now focus more on you know it also gave me more time because uh, most of the time i was doing a ceremony every month and uh, back then i wasn't doing so many gigs so that fit that fitted but now 
the ceremonies fell away and now I'm traveling for two months just being in Asia doing tours, you know, and it's just perfect, it's perfect, it's all good, yeah. Hello. Hey, man. Hey, Roger. How are you? Um, as an artist and someone who has been on the journey of medicinal plants and, I guess, um, self-discovery in what you're doing, how would you explain your perception on the way music affects people and your approach changed towards that. So basically, in, in other words, what insights did you gain from all your journey to where you are now that changed the way you thought about the music that you made, your intention behind it, and what practices did you put into place to be able to be at your optimum creative flow? Well, first of all, about the optimum creative flow, um, I used to be pretty, like, if I wasn't in the studio for a few days, I would get, like, depressed, you know? I was like, oh, man, I, I lost it. I'm never going to get there and see all these other guys. They're putting out track after track, and they're just getting gigs, and I'm falling behind, stuff like that. So, um, yeah, getting the optimum creative flow is uh, realizing that uh, or developing the skill maybe um, the sensitivity to know when you want to make something that's very important you know developing that sensitivity in yourself knowing when you want to and that is not always I mean I'm sometimes I'm weeks totally not interested you know I'm just I have a life, you know, I eat, I have friends, I like to travel, uh, just, uh, for instance, soaking up experiences, you know, to also, again, get inspired again to maybe have that studio time again, or that creative time, whatever you want to do. So the moment I became conscious of that, that made it also much more enjoyable to do what I do, you know, because um, I just, uh, when I was younger, I was surrounded by some older colleagues, you could say, and... Uh, they had they had a totally different style you know they were like nine to five in the studio pushing it and i just felt after a certain point after i tried it for a while like this is not for me you know then i better be in an office somewhere because then i at least have some security of payment or something you know so um could you please um repeat your first part of the question yeah um i resonate with that quite well as well because in my producing history I've gone through big phases of just being in the studio every day and then literally a month not going in there once. Yeah. Um, I guess I have another question now which is how do you flow between the two different aspects of producing and performing because they're for me they're two different mindsets and ways of working and when you're um, playing a lot, um, you don't have necessarily the time to be able to go into that real, I need to, I want to produce something now. Um, do you get stuck in between those two worlds at times? 
No. No. <laughs> no. Yeah, no, no, that's uh, like the best question of the, the best answer I can give you. No, 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 no. It's just, um, yeah, lately it has been flowing so well. Just, I think it's a lot about letting go, yeah, letting go of expectations, you know, just riding along wherever it takes you, being thankful for it, whatever comes your way, and also uh, being cautious that you don't you know, end up copying somebody's way of working or the way he's working with it or she, you know, that's very important. It's um, whatever you feel good with, the style of how you do it, that's that's the style for you. That's the style for you. And you just keep, keep stick to that and then it'll be fine, you know. So, yeah. Did you want it to? All right. So I think you also said something about the ceremonies and the... So with the ceremonies, did they... Did the experience change your perception on what music was to you? And did you adopt any new processes that, to bring into the way that you performed or produced? Yeah, definitely. I, um, I mean, you might have heard that sometimes uh, a DJ being referred as a modern-day sh shaman, you know? That's uh, been a known concept, I think, for, for, for long. But um, yeah, to experience that is, of course, something different. I just, uh, when I was in the ceremonies, the music meant something, you know? And I lost that for quite a while in, in the electronic music. And um, yeah, from that point on, it just became a challenge for me. Like, how can I translate this substance, this meaning also in a dance floor environment, which is of course totally different from a ceremony. So I just started to view a club night or a gig like a ceremony. And I approached it like that with the same respect and with the same intentions and with the same hopeful vision and outcome you know and uh, the moment I started doing that it started to become meaningful to me again also and what I noticed is that um, yeah intention is a strong thing you know so if you have a clear vision and intention f somehow the music becomes like a how would you say uh, a way of communicating that to people and even though they might know nothing about ceremonies or whatever this whole ceremony thing uh, you you will be able to touch something in, inside them you know if, if it's a good night for example and uh, that's just beautiful to me this is beautiful and meaningful also and definitely meaningful in these times you know because uh, I was for instance um, Two weeks ago I was in India touring and uh, I was also took some time off to explore a little bit and uh, I do that most of the time when I go far away because I just want to see the place you know not just fly in and out and um, so I was in the mountains and I was in an area where still a lot of tribal indigenous people live and um, yeah I saw I witnessed there what I witnessed uh, in a lot of places in the world is that these indigenous cultures are yeah, they're being taken over, influenced by the modern way of living, and um, they're, they're like slowly fading, you know? And um, to me, it was a bit painful to see, but I actually, in the end, I realized like, you know, 
maybe this all needs to happen like people need to lose their cultural clothing you know to come together again as as one people you know because that is exactly the thing that can happen in a club night also people coming together black white whatever religion you know rich not so rich and uh there will be moments uh, when there's just the music and the joy of the people and nobody's concerned with these things anymore, you know? So it's about bringing people in a state of mind where these things just simply don't matter anymore or they forget about them, you know? It's about focusing on different things for them. Thank Which you. is a big inspiration again for me. Take it home and get inspired to make more of that music, you know? So how can you make that moment not just an escape temporarily, but something that lasts? Or is the idea to sort of plant that feeling inside people so they can go on and spread it or something like that? That's interesting that you mentioned the word escape because um, you, could, you could also view it that um, like most of everyday modern life is more of an escape from that actual natural stage, you know? So, uh, yeah, and to how to keep that with people I don't know but even you know when you touch people yeah it might have an uh, have a uh, an effect on their everyday lives who knows but you know it's not something you can control you can only try and uh, yeah it's like it shouldn't become preaching you know it should never become preaching it should be something that happens naturally because when when the music is good you know and the vibe is good then i most of the time i have the feeling that i'm not doing it you know i'm just i have the hands and i have the consciousness to control those knobs but something else is starting to work through me you know and that's what i felt strongly ever since i also like did a lot of the ceremonies and stuff that maybe even the plant or the plant consciousness or whatever is working through me even though i'm working in this technologically advanced environment that is called electronic dance music you know who knows so it's more of a return than a yeah start. yeah I would say it's a return to our natural stage you know just um, I mean we're going through a phase now maybe in being where we're very focused on our um, mental activities and everything that arises from that you know but I, s I always see it as an experiment, you know, modern day society. It's an experiment and it will definitely end also again. Whose experiment is it? Nature's? <sighs> Hard to say. Hard to say. I mean, um, maybe we're here to experience every, every aspect of what it is to be alive. And uh, that's also the nasty stuff, you know. Also, yeah the dark stuff and everything and uh, you know uh, we're like the prodigal son we, we went away from home from nature and went into technique and techno technology and we think we can maybe substitute nature with it and uh, yes of course we're free to do that and try that I think but uh, I, to me personally I think we'll definitely be coming back you know because uh, in the end you'll uh, discover that you're not apart from nature you know you're not set apart so the whole discussion about man versus nature and oh we're destroying nature to me is always like yeah but that's only because you made a dichotomy out of it you know you set man apart from nature 
maybe nature's acting through us, you know? And uh, destruction is also a part of a creative process. Sometimes things need to break down and be destroyed for something beautiful, new to arise, you know? So I think it might be good for us to stop worrying about the earth and nature and just enjoy our lives and with that joy also have a positive influence in a crazy world that is maybe being destroyed but you know every winter has a spring after it so who knows yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, what made you go down that planned path? Was it a uh, recommendation from fans? Was it um, something you researched and thought that that could help you in your process? Or Well, um, very organic, organically, I must say. Um, like when I was 13, I had a, a friend and uh, he introduced me to weed. And, uh, you know, even though we said to each other, like, mm, didn't do anything, we laid around in the, in the fields for like three hours you know so it was that classical uh event of the first time you smoke you don't know what to expect so you think you don't experience anything but there was definitely something going on you know and so yeah it was ju just something that tickled my interest you know I'm, i was always interested in edgy weird stuff maybe in that way or at least in experience you know and uh what can be more of an experience than an inner experience you have with your own consciousness you know and uh, it's like traveling is the outward uh, a version of that where you, you know, look around in the world and you see there's, there's much more to see, you know, and there's, it's, uh, it's, it's a complementary thing. It's like a, a collage of all these things that make up the whole world and the whole universe. And I would say um, psychedelic experiences are like uh, you discover the world and the map in inside of your own consciousness you know so um tried weed went to s magic mushrooms yeah it just interested me and um i was doing it with friends back then when i was an uh, adolescent and uh, after a certain while most of them you know they became serious and didn't do that anymore but for some reason and I even felt guilty around that time because I had so little peers around me that were more or less doing the same but to me it was just it kept being interesting and I kept on you know directing my attention to it and whenever I could find somebody to do it with I we would do it you know and um, the way like uh, ayahuasca for instance came upon my path was it's just crazy, you know. I had I had a girlfriend around that time who had uh, some sexual trauma from her um, from from when she was very young, and um, so that was one aspect. And then I had like a concierge working in my school. He was like a, a Harley Davidson guy, big guy, you know. And uh, I always get along. I always got along really well with him. And one day he would just say, ah, I'm reading this book about uh, this uh, s brew from the Amazon. And it's, uh, it's, 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 it's wonderful. You need to read it. And it's like, how can a guy like that, you know, be reading a book? It's just crazy. So it came to me like it just had to happen or something. So I bought the book. I read about it. Completely fascinated. And then I thought, well, maybe this can help my girlfriend, you know, get, uh, get through her shit. Uh, so... Then phoned the author, 
he recommended me someone, the guy who I stayed with for seven years. And that's the way it happens, you know, it's just, you cannot th think this shit up, you know, <laughs> it's crazy. Um, are there certain like sound frequencies you find yourself working with in terms of like um, the natural ones that are in line with like the spirit and body and healing and all that sort of stuff? Well, I've been, um, ever since I, uh, I, I started to do, uh, I started making a lot of music at the ceremonies too, I started to discover new instruments. And um, for the past years, I've been playing a lot of, uh, of course, shamanic drums, but then also like an instrument called santor, which is in terms of sound, you could compare it a little bit to a hang drum. But uh, I mean, it's not the same, but it's uh, like a hammered dulcimer. I don't know if you know that instrument. It's a stringed instrument and you play it with hammers. Uh, I think they even got one out for me to play. I don't know, it's a bit shaky, I think, but I might play somewhere around uh, the following days, uh, the instrument. And um, yeah, there were times in the ceremonies where I would be playing the, the Santor and uh, like people afterwards were crying like, it's like, uh, they, yeah, it's just had such an impact. So, and I could also hear like the frequencies coming out of the instrument having a profound effect on me too, you know? It's always reciprocal, you know? If I'm moved by the music while performing, then the audience can have a strong effect too, you know? So it needs to be both ways. It's a, it's a it has to be a communication two ways. It can happen through organic instruments more than um, synthetic, do you reckon? Or not necessarily? I wouldn't want to compare them, maybe. I wouldn't want to say more or less, but um, what I did discover is that there is this definite joy and uh, strong effect in playing together with people live, you know? When everybody's playing an instrument and you're just improvising and this fantastic thing all of a sudden emerges it's just that that's pretty magical but then again when i'm in the studio you know then the work has been done in the studio and what you hear is the end effect of that recorded of course but i had that moment somewhere behind the computer okay but it's more or less the same principle you know something i was doing something and something emerges that fa that like gave me joy the joy went into the music and maybe the audience receives that joy too, you know, and again, can give that joy back to you as an artist or that appreciation. That's the whole dialogue that, that's, that goes on also in the electronic scene. And uh, yeah, I, I'm reminded now of uh, like for a certain while I was doing a lot of live sets. So that's like only your own compositions and you're just, it's more like a band doing a set list of tracks. And um, after a while I got so bored of it because um, not just uh, of hearing just my own music all the time in a certain way but also you know the spirit of electronic music to me is like somebody makes a great track puts it out I discover it I get super inspired by it I play it in my sets I get inspired to make my own new music he hears my track or somebody else hears my track it's like a exchange thing you know and I think uh, that's very important that uh, like a scene uh, gets this exchange between artists and and groups of people you know that that influence each other in a positive way or in an inspirational way we're always changing or 
have you sort of found a few groups of instruments that you always find yourself working with? Um, yeah, I, in that aspect, I'm, I'm pretty much a minimalist. I always like to um, work with simple things, not because in the beginning also that was just out of financial aspect, you know? Like I w I've not been brought up in a rich family that could fund me in the beginning or give me like $20,000 and just say, hey, set up your studio and we'll support you, you know? I just, I got myself a laptop and uh, squeezed every inch of potential out of it. And uh, yeah, you can do a lot with a computer. <laughs> just, you can do a lot with a computer nowadays. And I like it because uh, I've also led a pretty nomadic life. So if you have a big studio set up, it's just it's shit. <laughs> yeah, it's not nice. Better. Hi, my name's um, Katya Honor and I'm an artist. I was particularly interested when you said that something emerges and you get a sense of joy and you want to move with that. And I guess my question is, do you have any insights for, there's inspiration comes from different places. Sometimes you're working out your psyche, sometimes you think it's cool, sometimes you go, this will impress the kids. Sometimes you, you feel that it's a calling passion that has to be, or already is and you're just holding the space for it to be. Can you maybe explain how you discern those or how you know which ones to or how do you get yourself into a state where you know that you're communicating from all to all therefore you're bringing that through your craft does that make sense as a question uh, definitely <laughs> i mean there's a oh, cool. question mark at the end i think <laughs> no um but what yeah what, what i must give i must give a lot of gratitude to the cannabis plants you know whenever i smoke a little bit in the studio it just makes me want to make music whereas if i don't then I start to view it as work and that kind of bums me off. Then I do all kinds of s things to actually avoid it. Um, whereas if I'm just in my own, I mean, I would say uh, having a place and a space where you feel totally comfortable in and totally chill and where you're not disturbed, that's very important, you know? An artist workshop, that's super important. and. To me personally, for instance, uh, I prefer to have that in a more natural surrounding instead of in a city. I mean, I've met people who said like, oh man, this city inspires me so much or people who are in Berlin or in Tokyo or whatever. For me personally, it doesn't work. You know, I need that silence also for sound to emerge because you cannot be in constant sound and noise because then there's no space for other sounds coming through you, you know, wanting to be born or something. So, um, yeah, again, whenever I uh, use the cannabis plant, it just gets me into this joyful state that makes me want to communicate this state of mind, you know? Uh, yeah. And that's, that's also, yeah, that's to me a very big inspiration that you can communicate states of mind via sound. Yeah. So... Uh, did I answer your somewhat question? <laughs> yes, thank you. <laughs> okay. Yeah, thanks a lot. Is anyone else? In the corner here. Um, do you feel like your use of sacred plants, medicinal plants, has unlocked a greater spectrum of sound for you? Or your understanding of sound? And can you think of any particular examples where, you know, after 
maybe like in your initial uh, use of medicine that just doing something completely different to your normal sort of state of doing your art? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would say that, uh, I mean, definitely the experiences I had with those plants and substances, but also just um, focusing on <coughs> one sense organ and one aspect of life for, you know, 15 years, you know, if you put your attention to anything, what you give your attention to will grow and you will grow also in your sensitivity and in your skill to hear more in this aspect, you know, and um, yeah, one particular example, uh, there was definitely a certain point where I just heard all of a sudden like um, when somebody's playing, for instance, a guitar or and you have that most of the time with real instruments or with choirs, for instance, like the magic is in the harmonics, you know, it's in the tones above what is actually being sung, you know. So if you know any of the Tibetan throat singers, for instance, man, the magic is above that note that they are singing. There's like this, these, these harmonics are just uh, floating in the space and they're keeping it there. But yeah, who's doing them? Because what, what they are actually singing is the bass note, more or less. So yeah, that, that to me is pure magic, pure magic. Yeah. Thank you. Hi, I'm also an artist and I also enjoy cannabis for the creative aspects of it. Um, I'm just wondering, how do you balance the creative side with also staying motivated to keep creating? Because I find it's somewhat unmotivating at times. Mm. Yeah, well, um, it's interesting how um, I see a lot of people dealing with the cannabis plant. Like, um, I would say you can easily abuse anything, you know? So, yeah, finding that personal balance inside yourself regarding your use of anything, be it food or be it plants or whatever. I mean, everything takes some energy from you. Um, so you have to find that balance within yourself and I think per person that is different but unfortunately what I see a lot of people doing is for instance mixing cannabis with tobacco where to me it becomes something totally different you know and you see people using it also in a different way more in a, in a craving way you know because they're slowly getting addicted to the, to the commercial tobacco uh, also tobacco is a feminine plant cannabis is also a feminine plant you know you shouldn't mix them it's a bad combination uh, tobacco in its original form like if you would get it from the jungle in its raw form and you would smoke it it's a very strong plant it can really it can floor you you know within seconds and um, commercial tobacco you might not we could not even call it tobacco because it's not. It's just tobacco soaked in 250 chemicals, dried, baked, whatever, and made that you get addicted to it because raw tobacco, you cannot get addicted to it. Nicotine itself is not addictive. It's just a, it's just a lie. It's because these um, companies have found this milkshake of chemicals with which they could make people addict to cigarettes. Yeah, there's a lot of money to be made, you know? Some people cannot withstand those uh, situations where they can make a lot of money also if it's at the cost of people's 
health and stuff. But um, yeah, if I smoke too much, yeah, then you need time to, you know, recover. But uh, I would say in the studio, light dosing is the best, like just a puff, not too much. And um, about getting unmotivated might be just a signal for you to get out and uh, do something else, you know, not uh, get too much of a tunnel vision in terms of your creative process, you know. I mean, the creative process is not just the stage where you're in the studio making something. It's being here. It's meeting people it's seeing something beautiful around you it's whatever you know can 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 be anything uh, hi just um want to go back on something you said before about the jungle tobacco i've mixed it with cannabis before um, and it's two feminines, and as you were saying, what would be the negative effects of that? Um, the negative effects, I would say, uh, I've seen all around me when people do it, like the way they use it. Just they use so much, also, you know. Like some people, they need a lot of weed. I'm like, dude, there's a plateau, and you cannot get past that, you know. And that's with everything. Uh, a substance or anything that influences your consciousness it's not the actual thing that is actually interesting it's the contrast between s different mind states that triggers my you know that's where the most magic happens to me like going from a sober mind state into this other mind state and just in the middle you know that's where the magic happens and not being like bombed out by something then you just want to, I don't know, how would you say, numb yourself or, I don't know. But you used jungle tobacco with cannabis and how, how was your experience? Because I don't know a lot of people who do that. I only know people who do like a filter cigarette and. Um, just uh, when I was over in the Amazon, we used it in ceremony for t protection. Mm -hmm. That's right, yep. So I just, I find if I'm at venues and places, well, I haven't this year here, but other places if I'm out and about, if I feel like the energy might not be, you know, like uh, conflicting with my own, I might use some jungle tobacco just as a bit of, I don't know if it's just in my head, maybe a bit of protection or something yeah, yeah. from the outside environment. No, if you use it, like it's all about intention, you know, with these things. If you use it in a good in uh, good intentional way then probably it will have a good uh, effect reflecting back up on you you know but if you use it in a un like w with whatever you know if you use things unconsciously food same thing you know it will probably damage you not be beneficial that's how i through experience uh, you know discovered that it works more or less like um because sometimes you speak to people and they're like, oh, yeah, I'm not doing that anymore. It's not good for me or it's bad, whatever. And then I think, oh, it might be just a combination you and the substance, you know. I mean, you can never blame a substance. It's always the combination of a certain consciousness with it, you know. Or who knows, it might have brought up something uncomfortable for the people that they don't want to deal with. And then they have a judgment about the substance, you know. It's like, no, that's actually where the work is, dude. <laughs> Yeah. 
Um, I started out with uh, Reason, actually. And then I went Cubase. Like, he's asking about what kind of uh, music program I use on the computer. Um, then went to Logic. Then went to Ableton. So I have went through them all. And um, nowadays, I either use Logic or Ableton. It just depends on what kind of workflow I want, you know? Yeah. Because I also do uh, an ambient project called Horizontal Excursions. I'm playing, I think, Sunday morning at 4.30. So if you're still up and in the right mind state, come by to chill out. I'll be doing some ambient uh, stuff then. It's very different from my dance stuff, whereas it has more or less no drums most of the time. And uh, yeah, then Logic would fit more for the ambient stuff, where you have a more like a good overview kind of work and I would say Ableton is good for a fast, you know, rhythmic composition. Yeah. Uh, who are my inspirations for my ambient music? Uh, well, people often ask me like, yeah, what kind of uh, dance music do you listen to? Or what kind of artists do you listen to? And I'm like, I have to disappoint them like at home I never listen to dance music never like may just when I ha have gigs coming up I dive into it and start looking for tracks and then you know I'll be delving into that world for a few days before but uh, uh, if not then uh, I listen to like world music ambient music nothing you know silence also nice sometimes or uh, inspirational lectures by people. Um, but uh, yeah, inspirations in terms of ambient music, the, one of the most uh, recent uh, things that is actually probably super well known also with you guys, but I didn't know them, but carbon-based life forms, I just discovered them and it was like, wow, super, you know? Boards of Canada, um, Steve Roach, it's a big one in terms of real ambient soundscape kind of music you know um but yeah anything from world music to dub techno whatever yeah so if there are no more questions i would really like to thank you for your time and attention i had a great time talking to you <laughs> hope you have a great time at rainbow enjoy it enjoy it <laughs>